Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome to part two of the CTA of the GI track. And let's start with SMA syndrome. SMA syndrome is one of those things that sometimes people would say, does it really exist? Well, I think the answer is yes. When we talk about SMA syndrome, we talk about decreased distance between the SMA and the aorta, and particularly decreased angle, usually under 10 degrees. And the problem is when you have that very sharp decrease in angle, you can compress the duodenum, third to fourth portion, as well as the patient's left renal vein. Now, simply having a decreased angle does not give you SMA syndrome. You really need to see duodenal obstruction. So for example, in this patient, the patient presented with nausea and vomiting. They weren't certain what was going on, maybe an ulcer, pancreatitis, something. A lot of food in the stomach, but now you see the duodenum is distended, and you follow the duodenum down, and at the level of the SMA, there's a transition point, which you also see very nicely on the coronal view. And this is SMA syndrome. So there's narrowing of the angle. Look at the sagittal view. Look how narrow the angle is. But also the duodenum is obstructed. Very important. Another case. Look how dilated the duodenum is right by the SMA. You can see the decreased angle. Classic for SMA syndrome. Or in this third case, dilated duodenum. There's the SMA. Very nice transition. Look at the angle. SMA syndrome. Or another case, dilated duodenum, right up to and smack against the SMA, very nicely shown. So it's a very important diagnosis. It also shows the importance when you're looking at vessels or the abdomen to look at the sagittal and the coronal. I've seen this missed many times because people don't appreciate the decreased angle. They don't think about it. You need to routinely look at it. Now, what else in CTA of the small bowel? Well, a very important application for CTA in both small and large bowel is looking for GI bleeding. When we talk about GI bleeding, we talk about upper GI bleeding, which means proximal to the ligament of trites, which accounts for about 70% of bleeds, and lower GI bleeding, which is distal to the ligament of trites, about 30% of cases. When you're looking at CT enterography and the cause of GI bleeding, the number one cause is angiodysplasia, vascular dysplasias in general, small bowel neoplasms, and Meckel's diverticulum. It's interesting how things have changed over time in regard to GI bleeding. Remember the classic thing was angiography, then it was nuclear medicine studies. Now the study of choice is CTA. And let me show you just how that's developed. This article, arterial phase MDCT is accurate for localizing bleeding sites with massive GI bleeding. Well, that was a start, but it was massive, and this article by Yoon had 100% accuracy, but it was select cases. We wrote an article with Stanford showing the value of CTA in looking for GI bleedings, the importance of vascular map for the interventionalist or for the surgeon. Steiner then wrote an article in 2011 saying that it's an important non-invasive diagnostic tool and the importance is that when you use multiplanar and you use MIP, you can find the sites of extravasation, you can find small pseudoaneurysms, and it's the key study prior to angiography. It can pick up bleeding at a slower rate than angiography, and it's a study to do that if you don't have a positive CTA, it's unlikely you're gonna have a positive angio. Now, one thing is it can be subtle.
Here's a case where there's some subtle high-density zones in the patient's duodenum, which are fairly easy to walk by. It's a bit easier to see in coronal, but perhaps you're just not that impressed by those images. But look what happens when I take that and put it in MIP. Look at the multiple sites of enhancement. This is classic for dysplasia, angiodysplasia of the small bowel. Just a beautiful example. And that patient had the bowel resected. You can see how easy it is to see, but also how easy it is to miss. The coronals alone are not that good. The MIP is really spectacular. Another example, looking for a GI bleed source, here's a subtle but definite site of bleeding in the patient's small bowel. This was, again, a vascular malformation. And this next case is a patient where when you look carefully, you see the site of enhancement, and you see what's actually a two centimeter nodule, which was a gist tumor. We commonly see small gist tumors in the small bowel of vascular and can be the cause of GI bleeding, very nicely shown there. When you talk about vascular tumors of the small bowel, you think about gist, but you also think about carcinoid. Another case with GI bleeding, beautiful example of a bright blush, prominent feeding vessels. Here it is a bit better with the MIP imaging. So you notice a small bowel tumor, that's the source of bleeding. It's going to be resected. Maybe it's a carcinoid tumor. They're very vascular typically, prominent vessels, desmoplastic reaction, and that would be a good thought. This also ended up being a gist tumor. So I will say that um, it can be hard to distinguish the two. Often with carcinoid, you'll see masses in the mesentery, which will make life helpful. With smaller gist tumors, all you may see is the vascular lesion. Another example, this almost looks like contrast in the bowel, but there's no contrast present. And when you look from early to late images, the degree of high density increases. And this was a patient with a bleeding ileal diverticulum, a beautiful example. Now look at this next case, 25-year-old unexplained GI bleeding and abdominal pain. The artifact you see there is a camera that was used to look for the source of bleeding, which was unsuccessful. But when you look carefully at this case, you see what's a tubular structure in the right lower quadrant that I've circled, and it's slightly enhancing. And when you look at it a bit more carefully, you can see it's enhancing, but it's a blind pouch off the ileum. This is a classic appearance from Meckel's diverticulum. It's a tough diagnosis. It's very, very easy to miss. Here's a tag red blood cell that was done later on. Meckel's are very important. We usually think about GI bleeding in the pediatric patient, but it can be in adults as well. It's easy to miss. It can be difficult to distinguish from things like appendicitis or IBD or other cause of bowel obstruction. It's indeed very tricky. Meckel's is an uncommon congenital anomaly, about 2% of the population, but it's the most common congenital anomaly of the GI tract. It occurs within 60 centimeters of the ileocecal valve. It's usually about 6 centimeters in length. More than half of these contain ectopic gastric mucosa, which is responsible for clinical symptoms like GI bleeding. And technesium-99 protechnicate scan can be very helpful in this regard. What else in the small bowel? What about ischemia and infarction? Well, ischemia can be due to either arterial or venous disease. Arterial, the classic thing we think about is vessel occlusion, 
vessel atherosclerosis, potentially trauma, and the venous is more venous thrombosis, portal hypertension, or drug use like estrogen. The things we look at, the, the earliest findings are the least specific, luminal dilatation, then maybe a little bit of bowel wall thickening, maybe dilated veins and edema in the mesentery. Then you see air in the intramural air, air in the vessels. But again, once you see that or mesenteric or portal venous gas, you have severe ischemia. You probably have bowel infarction. This patient may die. So it's a real challenge because we're trying to pick up the difference between simply looking at atherosclerotic change with some narrowing, but no clinical symptoms and no significant lesion present and something that will give you a significant lesion. It can be tricky, sometimes very small vessels, extensive plaque, you'll get a low flow state. But in this case, for example, very bad plaque, but the vessels are widely patent. Now you look at this case, and I've changed the angle a bit, but look how nicely you see the SMA occlusion, and you see the thrombus extending into the aorta proper. Very nicely shown on the axials, spectacularly well shown, on the sagittal views, and also nicely shown on the MIP imaging. And you could see it's very easy to miss this proximal occlusion. There are no collaterals. It's only when you look at it, the length of the vessel that you realize the vessel is not opacified. Just a beautiful example of SMA clot. Or in this example, you see some flow, but you see extensive clot present. Now sometimes we don't see vessel occlusion, but the vessel caliber is small. Look at the size of the SMA and celiac in this case. Really, really tiny vessels. This is surely going to fit in your mind with the category of a poor flow to the bowel, a low flow state, and highly suspicious for bowel ischemia. Now one of the things we spoke about before is how the bowel enhances. When you look at this case quickly in 3D, you would say we didn't give IV contrast, but we have. And when you look at things a bit closer, you can see what looks like pneumatosis in distal jejunal and proximal ileal loops. And then when you look at the sagittal view closer, you see the occlusion of the patient's SMA. This is a beautiful example showing that the proximal SMA is per perfectly normal, but a few centimeters in, the vessel's occluded. The surgeon went in, removed the clot, and here's the patient just hours later. So again, it's very easy to miss this because you're looking at the vessels, and all of us tend to look at the vessels very proximally and not distally. A good rule is you have to follow the vessel in its entirety. That's a very important rule. You, you really can make certain you follow the rule is when you look at things in the sagittal view where it's very easy to follow the vessel. So in this case, the proximal SMA looks beautiful, but then look at the occlusion. That's occluded. And look at the bowel, this haziness and areas of ischemia. This patient was very lucky. The surgeon went in, removed the clot. There was good flow. They did not need to resect the bowel. But again, it was a little bit rocky for a bit, but it shows how easy it is to miss something. Or in this example, I showed this case to make the point that the SMA looks so good, you tend not to look any further. If you looked further, it's subtle. There's an outside scan where there was a lawsuit about this. You really see the occlusion of the SMA. If you would have looked at the sagittal, it's much more obvious because there's the SMA, which looks pristine for three or four centimeters, and then the vessel is occluded. There's no magic there. Look how nicely you can see it, but you also recognize how easy it is to overlook and miss it.
Now, one thing I mentioned at the beginning of this talk in part one was the importance of IV contrast. And yes, I know stone studies do not need IV contrast, but you've got to make certain you're doing stone studies for the right reason, not just a way of getting people out of the ER in a hurry. And here's an example if you would say, okay, stone study, who cares? There's nothing there. But look at the patient's SMA, look at the celiac, and look at the SMA, look at the focal dissection in the vessel. You would not recognize that unless the patient had IV contrast, beautifully shown this dissection and sagittal views in the SMA. Very easy to walk by. You can see this patient also had disease in some of the branch vessels. To the ilium, you can see irregularity and beating. And we'll just rotate those images around. So you recognize that we can see all sorts of pathologies from vessel occlusion to vessel dissection. This vessel dissection thing is becoming a much more common finding. We talk about something called spontaneous dissection of the splanchnic arteries. Intimal flap, thrombose, false lumen, aneurysm dilatation are the most common findings of spontaneous splanchnic artery dissection. In splanchnic artery dissection, conservative management without anticoagulation has had good outcomes. And we had a modified version of that kind of statement um, for some of the other applications in looking at the vessels. So it's very important to look carefully at the vessels. We know that management is becoming more conservative because uh, aggressive management, which all of us felt was the right thing to do, often wasn't the right thing to do. This whole idea about this focal dissections is becoming much more common. And this article by Jung makes the point that, again, in most patients, watchful waiting will work out very nicely, and it's important to do that. So there are many other things I can cover, and I will cover, and I have covered before with CTA. Some relate to tumor detection, both small bowel tumors, as well as pancreas and liver. There's a range of things we can speak about, but I think we've got a good look at several unique applications under the realm of CTA of the GI tract. And we know that CT is a study of choice in many cases of suspected small bowel pathology. Think obstruction, think ischemia, think GI bleeding, and other causes as well. It needs to be planned correctly and executed correctly. And challenges often relate to less than optimal study technique in non-dedicated uh, imaging studies which means that sometimes if you don't have a good study, you may have to repeat the study. I know all of us hate repeating studies, but sometimes it's necessary. You don't want to make the wrong diagnosis. So again, technique is important, workflow is important, and being able to interpret those scans is really critically important. And with that, I'll stop there, and thank you for your attention.